Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. The show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to The Writer's Room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer Chantal. How's it going, everybody? Hello. Hey, it's uh, it's been not too long since we've had you on the last time, and uh, that's just happened to be the way the schedule worked, but I'm happy to have you on again, especially so so recently. So we write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. Today's show, we're going to start here in the pitch, uh, which is now, so that's good run schedule so far. As always, I can't promise too much after that. We're going to move on to the coming attractions, where we'll give our thoughts on what's coming out soon. And then we're going to move on to the SIF topic, which this week we'll be talking about nostalgic movies and Chantal picked Titanic. So we'll be talking about Titanic this week. Uh, then we'll later we'll explore the B-plot, answering a question of, for the show. And then we'll wrap up with a spinoff, a quick recommender warn from each one of us. Uh, but first, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. So Chantal, I already did you the, the basic questions last time you were on. Yes. I did the what's your favorite movie of all time. And I did the yes. how'd you get rowdy for SIF pop. And you know, I think if you hadn't been on for the past six months or so, I think I'd maybe ask you those questions again. But for the most yes. part, I'm just I feel I feel like we already know you, so let's just talk uh, a couple a couple of other things. So, Jen, right. since we're talking about nostalgia this week, I thought it would be fun uh, to ask you what was your favorite movie when you were an eight year old? When I was eight years old, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie <laughs> that had yes. that was literally. <laughs> That was literally my favorite movie when I was eight. Like, I was such a huge fan of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers when it used to come on Fox. And when I would come home from school, watch it. And when they finally brought out a movie, I was just like, I have to go. I have to go. And I, like, remember being in the movie theater and I had my own little lightsaber and it lit. So that was just like, (laughs) that was like a fun moment in life for me was when I finally got to see the Power Rangers on the big screen. That is excellent. (laughs) You know, as I was thinking about this question, I was thinking this has to be Toy Story. The more I thought about that, I have uh, I have a fun history with Toy Story. So this, Toy Story came out the year I was born, and that was back when VHSs were still a thing. And I had watched Toy Story literally on repeat. Like I would pull it out of the VCR, put it in the rewinder, and as soon as it was done, it would go straight back in the VCR. That's all I did with my days when I was a kid because I just wanted to watch wow. uh, Buzz and Woody all day long. And like that's not a bad thing to do, but it's, no, uh, it's I had worn out. I had worn out the VHS, and so my mom had to go buy a new one. And, like, the week that she bought the new one, I jumped on top of the kitchen cabinets, and I was going to jump off because I thought, you know, I'm like, I'm Buzz Lightyear. Look at me. And my mom's like, don't you dare jump off the kitchen cabinets. And so, uh, yeah, so she then (laughs) hit Toy Story for a while. And I I don't know when exactly that was. And I don't know when it came back in my life. But uh, there's a good chance that Star Wars was my favorite movie when I was eight. And right. I've always gravitated Not a towards choice. Empire Strikes Back. Right. Good choice. Like, I know that 
I know that for young kids, like, either Return or A New Hope seem to be, like, the favorites because of the lightsaber battles or the Ewoks or what have you. Or maybe for the new generation, like, maybe it's some of the prequels um, or even the sequels might be their favorites. But uh, there there was always something about Empire for me. And granted, when I was eight, there was only the original trilogy and then Phantom Menace and Attack of the exactly. Clones out. And Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones should be nobody's favorite Star Wars movie, but... <laughs> um, no. <laughs> but there was always something about the Hoth battle that was really, like, visually stunning to watch. And that was the introduction to Yoda, which I really loved. And you have the whole training sequence with Luke at Dagobah and the the reveal of Darth Vader being Luke's father and Han Solo being frozen in carbonite. And you got Boba Fett. And, I mean, it's just... For some reason, this one was always my favorite. It's a lot going on but it was good yeah so uh, so what i thought we'd do is uh for the other part of this get to know your question is i thought i'd just ask you some random movies i don't even know what they're going to be just yet and ask you uh do you like them or do you not like them so a quick like yay or nay and if you haven't seen it uh you can just tell me that you haven't seen it so chantal what do you think about joker yay yay okay i definitely like that one and what do you think about her have not seen it Wow, okay. My friend will be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> what about Marriage Story? E. Oh, can it be between yay and yay and nay? <laughs> Conflicted? It works in some ways, and in some ways it doesn't work. Okay. Yeah, so it's in between, in between. All right. <laughs> um, what do you think about The Favorite? Yay. I definitely. I'm trying to think of anything that isn't clearly going to be a yay, like some of these, like Wally or something like that. Like, obviously, <laughs> it's going to be a yay. At least I hope. That's a yay. Yeah, right. I was like, that's a yay. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's a definite yay. <laughs> what do you think about... What do you think about the Harry Potter franchise, just in general? Oh, yay. Okay. That one is very much either yay or nay. I can yeah. watch that all the time. That's a definite yay. What about Rocket Man, the Elton John one? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, um, oh, man. That's another one where I'm conflicted. That's a yay or nay. Um, because it's like, it's such a good story, but I guess I was, because I loved Bohemian Rhapsody so much, I thought it was going to be in the same direction as that. I didn't think it was going to be a lot of singing. So that's where the nay comes in, but yay for it, because it was like, very, it was very well directed and acted, so that's where the yay will come in, but the nay okay. on the music part. What do you think about The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? Ooh, I would probably say yay. Okay. At least I'm a Brad Pitt fan, so. And it was a good movie, but yeah, so yay. <laughs> I mean, that's debatable. <laughs> what about the Aladdin remake? Nay, I just couldn't get into it. I just, I, I couldn't get into it. I will say this, Will Smith did a good job at Genie, but other than that, it's a nay. All right, what about Back to the Future Part 3? Ooh, uh, I, man, out of the, well, okay, out of all the three, I will have to say nay. Okay. I think that's the one acceptable one that it's okay to say nay to. Yeah. How about The Corpse Bride, given that it is October now? Yeah, I would say yay, because I I'd am a, teen, a Tim Burton fan. And, of course, I, I love Johnny Depp, so can't go wrong with Johnny. Well, you can't go wrong with Johnny. Let me take that back. You can, actually. Sorry. But this one's a yay. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> And last but not least, let's 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 just go with this. I saw that and I can't stop thinking about it. Let's go with <laughs> Chantal. Yay or nay, sausage party. Oh my oh man. <laughs> that's gonna be a nay for me. <laughs> I remember the first 
time I watched it, and I was just like, what? It's like, what acid trip am I on? Yeah, that one right there, that's a definite yay. Especially at the end, definite nay. <laughs> I was in college, and I went to go see that with, with some of my friends, and I went to a Bible college, so that was just like an extra layer of like, oh, no. we, we got out of the theater, and we're like, I just, I feel wrong. Let's not tell anybody that we went to go see this. Like, we all had a good yes, time, yes. but let's not tell anybody that we had a good time. <laughs> I totally forgot about that movie. Well, you're welcome. Wow. Me bringing yeah, it into your... That was one. Your Thank you. <laughs> How about this one sort of silly or random question to ask you? Gosh, what would be the coolest animal to scale up to the size of a horse? I, I would have to say, uh, oh, man, that's kind of, <laughs> when I thought about it, I was like, I don't know. But then now I'm like, maybe, because I think it'd be kind of cool. I'm going to say a dog, because dogs do get pretty big. So I'm not, I mean, it'd be kind of cool to, like, ride one. <laughs> so sure. I would probably say a dog, because I, I love dogs. So I'm a dog person, so I would definitely say a dog. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and say a specific dog. I'm going to say my dog, Cheddar. I have a I have a corgi and um I mean I think it would Aww, be I love corgis. Right. I, I think I think for two reasons. One is because his legs are so tiny and I'm curious on, right. on how how an animal that big would do with tiny legs. But also like I just I mean, there was no way I would ever be able to ride Cheddar. I mean he's even even a, a toddler could not ride Cheddar because he's so small and I, I just I think that would be fun to ride a dog out. I mean the one uh, right. The one sort of potential pro or con is he's he's a cuddler, and that would either be really great or really awful because I don't want him to kill me. But yeah, you would get smushed by your own dog. Right. I mean, like, there's no good answer to this question, right? Because like, I thought about like turtles too, no. but like turtles are slow, and they could like jam up a Very... four-lane highway if they were the size of a horse. Like, that's <laughs> that, that would not, not be convenient. <laughs> and like, I don't no. like mosquitoes the size of a horse would be terrifying. I mean, I don't know why anybody would want bigger mosquitoes, but... Oh, no, that's just, that's a negative. That's, those things already, like, suck blood from you anyway. So seeing something that big coming towards you, I would just die on the spot. So, yeah, no mosquitoes. Yeah, so this this is a really interesting question. I don't know that there is a good answer, but uh, we're both dog lovers, so (laughs) there's that. Yes. On that note, you uh, ready to move on to the coming attraction? All right, let's do it. We are going to talk about The War with Grandpa today. This is going to be in theaters October 9th, so just a couple days after this episode releases. It should be this weekend, um, if you're interested in checking this out. I'm kind of surprised this is still getting a theatrical release, because this seems like like perfect material that would either be like scooped up by a streaming service for not a lot of money, or going straight to VOD to potentially earn more, because... People aren't really going to the theaters yet. Surprisingly, this is going to theaters. That part, I'm very surprised on that it's actually going to theaters because I, I like you said, like I haven't been like directly in a movie theater yet. I've been to a drive-in and that's pretty much it. So it's like I really haven't had a chance to. So it's like it's weird to me that they are still trying to like release movies when like nobody's really spending their money to go to one. Well, and especially when Tenet released and it hasn't done gangbusters in the box office by any stretch of the means and like if any movie were going to that was going to be the one so i guess i guess they're just hoping that you know anything new will draw people there and or home release sales would go through the roof i don't know 
you know, before we get too much into all that, um, the synopsis for this movie is upset that he has to share a ro- the room he loves with his grandfather. Peter decides to declare war in an attempt to get it back. Chantal, based off of what you've seen about this trailer, yes. based off of all this that's going on, yeah. uh, if you were to go to, a, to the drive-in to see this movie, uh, would you go opening night? Would you just wait to catch a, catch a later showing where it's a couple bucks less, like a matinee? For example, uh, would you wait to rent this at home? Would you wait until it's on a streaming service you already pay for? Or are you just not interested in watching this movie? I'm definitely not interested <laughs> in seeing this film. Okay. I watched the trailer twice, and I just feel like it's just one of those movies, I guess, they they try to make it seem like, you know, it's like the whole family. It's like a family comedy. And it's just it just seems like that same formula that they use, like, every time in a film. So, and then, like, the jokes or, like, the laughs of it, it just seems more cheesy than anything to me. And it's, like, not funny. And then on top of that, seeing, like, Robert De Niro, after seeing him in last year's The Irishman and then Joker, to me, it's almost, like, a complete, like, 180 for him. So it's, like, from going from Martin Scorsese, like, gangster, and then, like, Todd Phillips, like, gritty Joker, and then you have the cheesy family film. And to me, I'm like, Robert De Niro is like one of the greats to me. And then just to see him like play this like film because it's like he's older now. But I'm like, but do we have to do we have to waste film on this? Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm in a really weird stage for this movie because part of me. So first of all, I wouldn't pay to see this movie. So I'm definitely not going to be higher than streaming. But I think this looks like maybe enough fun that I might, you know, if it hit Netflix you know, not too long after it came out or something like that. I I could see myself turning this on and giving, you know, giving it like a 20 minute test to see if this is worth sticking around. Or frankly, probably what's more accurate Definitely. is I would, is I would just fast forward to where, I mean, there's a scene in the trailer where the kid literally drafts a declaration of war. I might just jump ahead to that and then just wait for the shenanigans to ensue, like ensue and like maybe just watch 30 minutes of that. I think that's kind of where I'm at. I don't I don't know that I'm interested in sitting down and watching this full movie. I'm definitely not going to pay for it, but I think I could see myself and maybe it's because there's not really much new out and I'm kind of craving something new. Maybe it's because, you know, at the very at the very least this could be fun, right? De Niro looks like he's shooing it in. I mean, this this is not a dirty grandpa sequel at all. No. But definitely I mean, not. this is just kind of what De Niro does in his career now. I guess I guess he said he made he made his money already, I guess. Now he's just relaxing. He just does whatever is brought to him. I guess and he just goes for it right but I mean he does have does he have grandkids I don't know why I don't know why I thought about that but you know like sometimes these actors they do stuff for like their grandkids sometimes I just don't like seeing them in this the same thing with like seeing Christopher Walken too it was like it was weird because I don't think he's ever done a movie like this before has he Kangaroo Jack maybe is the closest. Totally forgot about that movie. But is but yeah, you don't see Christopher Walken in this role terribly often. No, I think I think part of the reason why I also maybe I'm interested in seeing this movie a little bit is there's some really good talent here. It's so it's a surprising cast, and I mean sometimes that like that doesn't always translate because this could just mean like eh, if we just cast some of the funniest people, right? Then something's got to stick, right? Right. But, I mean, obviously, we we talked about Robert De Niro, but Uma Thurman's in this. Rob Riggle yeah. is in this. Cheech Marin is in this. Jane Seymour, Christopher Walken. Yeah, that was one thing I was very surprised yeah, I, about with the cast was, like, how many people were, like, in this movie. I was just like, wow. I was like, okay. It's like, how did they get, like, all these people at once in this one movie? Right, right. And the other thing about this that I think is just incredibly interesting is... <laughs> some of the the details behind this movie so the the director of this movie 
is a guy by the name of Tim Hill. And Tim is probably most known as a writer for all things SpongeBob since about 2003. Oh, wow. So uh, at least like, no, it looks like up to as, as early as 1999. So he he's wrote, helped write all three movies and oh, wow. any of the like video games or like the just like straight to Nickelodeon, things like that. Um, he doesn't look like he's he's directed uh, the new one that's coming out sponge on the run and this guy has a really spotty track record like he's i mean maybe it's not spotty but he's got uh for for directing he's got the sponge on the run like i said and he's got hop yes. and he's got alvin and the chipmunks and, and he's got the garfield sequel a tale wow. of two kitties that's and tragic and that's not impressive so far but no. he's also got muppets from space and that's his and director that's, like, that's his, and that's his first feature film that he ever did so right that's... And he also did a little movie that I watched not too long ago that I loved from my childhood called Max Keeble's Big Move. Okay. And I love that movie. <laughs> At that point, and that point in age when that movie came out, I had, yeah, I had just started high school. I loved it. And I watched it the other day because my wife was working on putting together our wedding album Aww. or something like that. And so I just got to do whatever I want. And I'm just like, you know what? I want to watch this dumb movie that I remember fondly. And it's exactly what it was because she would look up occasionally and be like, why are you watching this? And I'm like, because it's kind of tickling me the right way. <laughs> we um, all have that kind of movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The other thing that's really interesting about this is this is based off of a book, yeah. which I would not expect this movie to be like this. Yeah. So I don't know how that makes me feel. I'm just, I'm a little, I don't know, weird. Like, I'm wondering if it's going to try to take a dramatic turn or, you know, maybe this is like a, a kid's book that you know it just has pictures is like oh illustrated God, I, hope so. like, I, don't, I don't know like I, I don't know that the trailer really made me like laugh or like made me like really want to see the movie but like i said i think there's enough here in the premise that i'm always down to at least watch 10 minutes of shenanigans and like maybe i think that's kind of where my interest level is is somewhere between streaming and never watch meaning like I will skip the intro and ending of this movie and just watch the middle section. Got it. Maybe. That sounds it. <laughs> I'm that kind of person who does like watch something first. Like I'll watch like the first, maybe like you said, like the first like 20, 30 minutes just to see if I'll like it. And I'm like, if I don't like it within those like minutes, I will like turn it off. So I don't know, but I'm, if it does come on streaming, I may check it out. But like as of right now, no. It is very rare that I will turn off a movie in the middle of the run no. because it has to be that bad. And typically, like, I try to think, well, it can't get any worse from here, can it? If kind of the scale depends on me sitting down and watching this in full, then I'm, I'm with you. I'm a never watch. I'm not interested in this movie. But if I could kind of skip around maybe YouTube a couple clips, then I'm yeah. mildly entertained by that idea. I'm trying to think of the last movie that I turned off in the middle of it and... Um, I think the, there's only three that I can recall that I did like recently. Actually, four. There's only four I can recall Which that word? I did, you know, in the last ten years probably. So the most recent one was Roma. So I got to the scene where the father figure comes home and like takes like a million chances to like get in his garage without dinging his car. Right. Like, that's where I got to, and that's where I turned it off. Just because I'm like, I understand what this movie is trying to be. It's just not what I'm interested in watching. Like this is a an artsy movie yes. that's very metaphorical and thematical, and I'm just not it definitely not is. interested in that type of movie. That's never been my cup of tea. 
Um, and so on a similar vein, a couple of years ago, I tried watching The Thin Red Line and very same thing. Terrence Malick is not my jam. Same thing. I, the only one I've seen of Hibbins Full was Tree of Life and I hated it and I only watched it because it was for a class. And me and my girlfriend at the time were just making fun of it the whole time because anytime we saw a tree on the screen, we is that the Tree of Life? And um, <laughs> So we had some fun with that. The other two I could think of that I turned off in the middle of it were, were was Tron because I didn't have childhood memories of Tron and I tried watching it as like a 23 year old and it just didn't really do it for me and i turned off oh um natural born killers i I haven't watched that movie all the way through i realized what this movie was going to be 10 minutes into it i realized what it was going to be 30 seconds into it but after 10 minutes i just realized that no it's going to be this the entire time and this is again this is just not up my alley so yeah, it's one of those movies. Anyway, I think I think it goes to show that I think it goes to show that very quickly we 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 stop talking about the war for grandpa the war with grandpa. So I think that settles yes. that. So with all that in mind, let's let's uh, move on to our SIF topic, which is uh, uh, we're gonna be talking about Titanic this week. Titanic is a 1997 movie. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's kind of the second. The third highest grossing movie of all time was the highest grossing movie of all time until Avatar came around. Synopsis for this movie, if you're unaware of it, is a 17-year-old aristocrat falls in love with a kind but poor artist aboard the luxurious, ill-fated RMS Titanic. A little bit of history of this movie. Uh, it has a 7.8 on IMDb, a 75 on Metacritic, which I thought was yeah, pretty low, is. considering how prestigious this movie is held. An 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. This pretty much swept the Oscars the year that it was yes. released. Um, so for the 1998 award ceremony, it won Best Picture, Best Director with James Cameron, Best Cinematography, Best Art and Set Decoration, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, Best Editing, Best Sound Effects, Best Visual Effects, Best Music, Original Song, obviously, mm-hmm. and Best Music Score. And on top of all that, it was also nominated for Best Makeup, Best uh, Lead Actress with Kate Winslet, and Best Supporting Actress with Gloria Stewart. Just a couple notes about that. I mean, first of all, that's kind of crazy. I'm going to talk about which ones I think that it should have won later and which ones it probably shouldn't have won. But I'm surprised there wasn't a, a Leo nomination here. I thought for sure he was nominated. I know he didn't win, of course, but... I um, thought he was nominated, Lola for too. Leo there. Yeah. Um, a big snub, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is just crazy that it won all these Oscars. One other note about... This movie in its history is that this is listed as Aaron Dicer's 16th favorite movie of all time on his 2019 update, <laughs> which you can find on Letterboxd. So um, with all that in mind, uh, Chantal, tell us a little bit about your history with this movie. Tell us about um, kind of why you haven't seen it in the last maybe 10, 15 years. Okay, so with Titanic, I'm... I was a huge fan of Leonardo DiCaprio's. I um, still am. And at that time, at that age, um, I was progressing. Of course, I'm looking at boys. So I thought, I'm like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio's dreamy. I'm like, I got to go see this movie. I was excited to see it. It was me and my mom. Me and my mom went to go see it. And of course, it came out in December of 97. So it was like a dead of winter. And I just like instantly like fell in love with this movie. And I'm just enjoying it all the way through. And I just remember, I think it was probably like the last 30 minutes, I, my mom got up and left. <laughs> my mom got up and left me in the theater while I was watching this film. Like, she couldn't take it anymore. Like, she knew what it was about. She didn't care. She was just like, she's like, I came for you. She's like, you finished watching it. She's like, I'm going to go sit in the car. <laughs> so my mom in a dead of winter is sitting in a vehicle while she lets her 10-year-old enjoy this film. So I, 
I just enjoyed it when I came out. I, I was like happy. I was just like, mom, I'm like, I love this film. Like I couldn't wait for it to come out. And of course it was like the first movie on top of my Christmas list the next year, I remember getting it. And then I would just watch it constantly. I will always just be like back and forth, back and forth with Titanic. It was like every, it just seemed like every week I was watching this film. And then eventually it just fell to the wayside. Mm. And it's just like I ended up, it's like I just forgot about it. I literally forgot what it was like to watch that film. It had started collecting dust. And I just never, I never thought of ever stopping watching that film since it was something that I had loved so much and for so long that I was just like, I've seen it so many times. It's just, I just didn't care anymore to watch it again. I know what happens. And it's, and it was just one of those that was just like, all right, I'm done. And then on top of that, I still have the VHS tapes, which is two. That thing is very heavy. It's like a brick. So having to just have to keep rewinding and just having to go back and forth, it's like, it's not the same as just, it didn't have that same feeling anymore as like I was as a kid. It just, I guess you could say it lost all the magic out of it. I've seen it so many times. Sure. I get that. This movie is interesting because I remember watching it a lot as a kid. Uh, my parents had the two the two uh, two VHS cassettes together. Yes. I remember watching this a lot as a kid. I think part of that is because my my family would watch it just in general, and it's one of those movies that like I don't know that necessarily my parents even like sat down and were able to finish it in one sitting, but it would you know maybe they would put it on and watch it for a half hour and. But I remember like watching it a lot with them, and you know, frankly, there's there may be a couple reasons for that. I mean, because little five year old, like the whole Titanic sinking sequence is really cool to watch. So I think, I think probably I don't, I maybe didn't like check in until the boat start to sink. You know, I I don't I don't really know uh, for sure because that's where it all like picks up. It's like closely to the end because it's like you're dealing with a love story, so it's just like it's like that build up to to that point to like oh now the boat's sinking so it's like it's just like you've been sitting there for so long it's like you, you finally like get into it but then it's like you're over it by then yeah i get that so i i eventually just stopped watching it probably because i hit that age where you know you really realize how gushy of a movie yeah. it is and not really interested in that anymore but maybe still checked out some of the like des- destruction sequences later and i haven't watched it for the longest time, and I, I just remember the movie being really yeah. long, and I didn't really want to put myself through that anymore. But uh, I'm I'm happy you did. I'm really happy you did um, for for several reasons. And uh, and Chantal, out of all the movies you could have picked, all the movies you could have chosen to revisit from your childhood, why'd you pick this one? Because Titanic was such a big deal back then. Like when like when Titanic came out, it was like everybody just could not stop talking about this film, and. And I think at that time, it was like with um, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, it's like, it wasn't like his breakthrough role, but he was at that point where he was like at the top of his game. Like you can say he was the king of the world at that time. So it was just one of those movies where it was just like, oh, you're like all excited and you can't wait for it to come out. And then you finally see it and you're just like, oh my God, it's like, I can't shut up about this movie until it's like, you keep talking about it, you keep watching it. And then it's like, oh man. It's like, I totally forgot about this movie. And it's like, wow. And then you start going back to thinking about this stuff back then, like when you seen, when it's like when I saw that movie. So it just, it brought back like a lot of memories for me because it was a huge, it was a huge part of my life because I did have like that master, like big, like movie poster in my room. 
yeah, unfortunately, rest in peace. I ended up destroying it for some apparent reason, and I don't know why. That could have been a collector's item, though. It was one of those movies that was like a good a good part of my life, I guess you could say. It was just one of those good feelings where it's just like I finally got to see a movie that I've been like bugging my parents. Like, I have to go see this movie, and I finally got to see it. So, yeah, it was just a sure. good moment. It was like one of those good memories. Yeah. I'm happy that uh, that you did pick this, like I said earlier, and uh, I'll I'll go ahead and start on a on a scale of like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay. I think I'm on the high side of liked it. I don't think I'm quite into loved it. Um, I think that's kind of where I sit, but I still really enjoyed it. What do you, where where do you sit after this rewatch? Um, I will have to say I when I was younger I loved it, but now I can say that I it's just okay. Because I guess you could say because I got older and I'm just like that one person. I'm just like, oh, I'm like, I really like this movie. And I'm the type of person who hates like lovey-dovey stuff. But at that point, I was just like, oh, I was just like, oh, it's just so romantic. And now I'm just like, wow, my mom was right. It really was just a love story just to get to a point of a boat sinking. Yeah. So I can understand why my mom didn't like it so much. So it was like one of those. It's like, wow. I'm like, they really made a movie basically kind of like out of nothing. So it's just okay now for me. Okay. Like I said, uh, I'm on the really high side of like, I have enough problems with the movie that I don't think I'm in love to category. And so let's talk about some of those things. Um, I think the first thing that jumps out to me yeah. when, when watching this movie is the editing is astounding. It's, it's so good. It's the, tra- specifically the transitions yes. are incredible. And I just never realized that the initial like watches when I was like five years old or whatever, or and a lot of it is because, I mean, this is such a long right. movie. I was talking with my wife cause we watched it together. I was talking with my wife as it, after it ended it's so long, right? I was talking with her after it ended. And I was just, I mentioned that there was a couple things that I forgot about, but for the most part, this movie was very beat fight beat for beat by me. Uh, which is part of the reason why I, Kind of as a little rabbit trail aside, did you cry at all during this during this watch? It was at the, of course, I think it would have to be the one part where it's like the couple who's like in bed together yeah. in the waters, like rushing into the room. It gets me every time. I'm just like, oh, I'm like, I'm like together till the very end. I'm just like, oh, it's so just, that to me was romantic. That part right, right there, which is, even though it was sad. I'm like tearing up right now when I'm thinking well, about it. Right, but so yeah, that part to me, I was just like, wow. I'm just like, that's love right there. So there's that, there's <laughs> that moment. There's the moment with like, it's right before or right after that, where it's the, the mother reading her to her two kids, uh, a book as the ship is like about to be flooded. Um, that yes. one's really hard hitting. Yes. The the one with uh, the one that has always yes. stuck to me is the one with yes. the, the ship arch- architect just got it in the lounge. Just any, and the guilt that he feels is is yeah. really powerful for me. Uh, that was, and then uh, I think the kind of the like main one that would get a lot of people is when Rose has that transition back to being on the Titanic again and seeing all the people that have died, and Leo's waiting at the top yes. of the stairs again. I think I think that's kind of the one that gets a lot of people. I so I, I bring that up because I, I like I was saying I think a lot of this movie felt very beat for beat by me. I knew it all uh, because I'd seen I knew yes. most of it because I'd seen so much and uh, I didn't remember the editing i think the only things i didn't remember was primarily rose's mother's motivations like i and this is what i was talking about too with a three and a half hour movie is like i think you just have to zone out at some point there's nothing about this movie that grabs you every second of it and so kind of right in the middle of it there's that scene where rose's mom explains why you need to be with billy zane because we're broke and we need his money and um and, and so i just never remembered that because i don't know that i ever comprehended it in the first place i didn't either until 
man, until now, I was like, wow. I'm like, I never paid attention right, to that. Right, right. But the transitions here are, are just stellar. They're excellent. Anytime that you see from the from the old Titanic to the new one or – like there's a very there's the very famous shot of when Leo is is drawing Rose and uh, and it zooms in on her eye and then it zooms out from older Rose's eye. That's a very very famous shot and that's that's incredible. I think the best shot here, the period, the best shot in this entire movie is just after the King of the World scene where they're standing at the front of the bow and then it slowly yeah. transitions to to that same exact angle but it's the titanic on the floor. I think that's excellent. It's uh gosh, it's it's just such a good transition um to to kind of to kind of move yes. you in a way and it's it's powerful to see. I mean, you get to see old versus new like up close. Right. Um so that I was gonna say, especially like at the like the end where it's like you're we're down there underwater still and it's like the camera is like moving through Titanic at the bottom of the sea and then it's like slowly it turns back to itself as it was before, which I thought was a pretty cool scene there as well, where it's like it's showing you like even like with it being down there on the like at the at the bottom, it's just showing you like this is what it used to look like and then it shows everyone again just there smiling as Rose is making her way up to Jack. I thought that part was like you said, it was like I like that scene. That scene was actually pretty cool. Yeah. I was really interested in watching this movie this time to wonder I, I didn't know I'm really curious. I was really curious. I've, I since have the answer about like how exactly this movie was shot because, and I watched this movie in high definition. I didn't watch it on the VHS tapes this time because I don't have a VHS player anymore. Um, so I watched <laughs> this on high def, uh, and it doesn't have a 4K release, but it looks pristine. It just looks immaculate. It looks really good. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, probably my assumption is that James Cameron built a set of the Crash Titanic. To, to do what he wanted. Um, so, but like, no, that's the actual Titanic. And I was just sitting there thinking like, this is 1997 release, probably filmed in 95 yes. or 96. Like, you know, especially these portions, like how does video look this good? 20,000 feet under the sea. Like I, I, it's unbelievable. It was remarkable. And so, you know, and then also I was wondering, um, and actually I didn't get the answer to this if James Cameron built a, a model Titanic, at least, at least the exterior and deck. Um, I don't know for sure. I feel like they did, but I could be wrong though, but I, I have a funny feeling that they did because I think I've seen something where they actually did, but I, but I'm like, don't quote me. Well, and I don't know if maybe it was like someone, like some country or some society had rebuilt the Titanic, but like not actually functional. And so they used it as like, maybe that was the case. Right. I don't know. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure about that, but I was just sitting there thinking, like, man, this is like remarkable in scale. It looks outstanding. I don't see how they would be able to do this CGI, but if it was, this is remarkable, especially for 1997. But I mean, this is James Cameron, so come on. I actually just looked it up, and they actually did a reconstruction of the Titanic. Of the whole thing? Yeah, they actually did a reconstruction of it. They built it on a on a studio set. To re- to recreate for wow. the uh, for the sinking scene, so they actually did. That's crazy. Yeah, that's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean that thing's so massive. I guess I was looking. One of the trivia pieces for this movie is that the Titanic itself cost uh, 150 million dollars to make, and this movie cost 200 million dollars to make. So the movie cost yes. more than the actual ship. 
Um, so that's incredible if they could also work that into the budget. But you know, if you don't have to actually have functional motors and things like that, that saves you a bunch. If it doesn't actually have to flow on on, on the water, then that can save you right. a bunch of money. Some of the other things I noticed this time around was I really appreciated how. I guess I never thought about it before, but this movie and all the flashbacks pretty much exclusively take place like from Rose's perspective, which makes sense yes. given given the it's narrative. I mean, there's a exactly because it's her story. She's the eyewitness. She's given the account. the uh, The only right. there's only a couple exceptions, and uh, and one of them is Jack winning the poker hand to get on the boat. Boat. Some of the other things with like Jack, you know, getting handcuffed and taken alone, kind of at the end of the movie. But I mean, he could have very easily told Ro- Rose knew what happened, what what happened, what went on, and so right. you know that would make sense. So I I was just really surprised that you know there's very few scenes where you get. Leo without Rose or at least running into Rose at some point to yeah make sense why that's there and I mean James Cameron's a very detailed guy so that doesn't surprise me at all well what else what are some things you noticed it was just one of those moments where it was just like I fell in love with it again in a way because it was just like at that time when I watched it it was just like wow it's like it was beautiful to watch and I think that it is still beautiful to watch like the cinematography on the show was and on this movie was pretty amazing and it still is to this day for me. And then being able to explore like certain scenes, which I think was another favorite, was where Rose is she's like walking on the ship, which is like older Rose, and she has the she has the diamond in her hand and then she just drops it. I don't know why, I just always thought that was like a very pivotal scene because it was just like she was giving the diamond back to the ocean where it belonged mm. and I just love that it just it just shows it just slowly like dwindling down into like the bottom of the sea and then she just and then she just went peacefully and I love that and it showed that she just like lived a full life and even though she didn't have I guess you could say she didn't have the love of her life with her she still ended up living a full life and being and then being able to share it with some like with someone else so I guess you can just say not to serve her life <laughs> Um, but it's just being able to give, just to be able to give like those stories because they always say that older people always have great stories and you never know what kind of story you're going to get out of them. And that to me, that's what I kind of felt like, like I was like a grand, like a grandchild, like listening to her grandmother talk again about like this, like big part of her life. So it's just, it was like one of those moments where it's just like, it was just one of those, like, I'm kind of happy I watched it again. Just have that feeling one more time before just putting it back on the shelf and then forgetting about it for another ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna respectfully disagree with you here. Me and my wife both hate that she throws the diamond back in the oh. ocean at the end. <laughs> I love it. I get what it's going for metaphorically, but again, my my mind, my viewing, I don't want metaphor most of the time. Or if you give me metaphor, give it to me in a way that's more so like uh, like knives out. How it's it. It's at its core a good murder mystery movie, but the more you explore it, the more you understand there's there's other themes going on here, and that's what makes yes. that movie so special to me. I don't want your in your face ham had ham handedness things like that, and especially like it makes no logical sense why she would throw the diamond in the sea because how how much how much did they say that was worth like more than the most expensive diamond in the world right now like yeah. that would be i mean she has a granddaughter that's with her, yes, she could sell that diamond. And get exorbitant amounts of money that her family would never have to work again. And the world could see this beautiful, precious gemstone. Like, we both hate it. 
And and that that kind of leads me to another point I have about this movie. This movie is very in your face. To some extent, I think that works, but to some extent, I don't think it does. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later when I'm going to talk about the Oscars that the movie deserved. Uh, but this movie is very in your face. And uh, to some extent, that really works because you could tell that they took the time and they took the uh, the, re- the the research and uh, yes. and ma- actually made it practical. But I will say this: that when I watched it again, I <laughs> I'm always a stickler for certain for certain things, and it's like I hate that when I notice stuff in a movie, it'll drive me insane until I'm like done. There was like a few scenes in the movie where it deals with the CGI part. Like for me, it was like the CGI part was like really good until now that I'm older. And I noticed certain things didn't look right. And it like drive me insane. Like there was one where it was like one of the shipmates or he was probably an officer. And I just remember when he was like walking across the deck, like one of his legs were longer than the other. And it just did not make sense to me. It didn't even it didn't look right. It looked more comical than anything. And I and I noticed it right off the bat. And I was just like, I'm like, how did I not never like how did I never notice that before? And then the same thing where it's like Jack and Rose and they're like running and the water's like behind them. It's like, you can just see that their face had been digitally placed on someone other's, like someone else's face. And it was just like, how did I never notice that again? Because I was like, oh my God, I was like, I thought that was real. Like I was like one of those kids where I was like, how did they do that scene? And it's just, they didn't, <laughs> it was someone else who did it. So that, right. that was like one of my kind of stickler things that I noticed about that part. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of along that same vein, uh, this movie being in so in your face really pulled me out of it sometimes because there's, it's so ham handed about talking about how cold the water is and talking about like I noticed I noticed the things as a kid even because I knew the Titanic sank before watching the movie you know all everybody oh no this this ship is unsinkable it's made of iron like uh, you know it's not gonna you know no iceberg can get her (laughs) right it's very in your face about it but I do you know the the same scene where where um, Jack saves Rose uh, he talks her down off of the the side of the rail they're talking about how cold it is. They're talking about yes. essentially they're describing the end of the movie, and it's I, I didn't I didn't like that. <laughs> um, but but some things I did like is that the uh, the score the the social tension is really good in this movie. I I felt that they did a good oh, job yeah. ex- explaining social status in the nineteen tens and on why this was so important, why this meant so much. I I thought that the scenes where Billy Zane is being a jerk to be you know, for, for being a jerk's sake, felt really powerful and felt really natural. And uh, um, you could tell that Leo didn't fit in, which yeah. might make that Kathy Bates character my favorite character in the movie just because she definitely doesn't fit in. Definitely not. She, I loved her. Uh, yeah, exactly. She doesn't fit in, but, like, she's she's a character I want to root for. Um, yes. She's the one that's just like, you know, get the stick out of your butt. And, you know, when they're on the lifeboats, they're like, we have to go back and help them. And literally, she's the only person on the boat that tries. And uh, she's yes. based off a real character as well. And mo- most yes. of uh, most of all of her story is is true. And that's that's another thing I really appreciate about the movie is James Cameron took the time to uh, to interview people that were on the boat to get their experience, to collect them, to to take real people and to insert them in the movie as opposed to just making everybody you know, a fiction, fictional character. Yeah, that's another th- good thing that I loved about that too, because it's like I was at uh, my other thing was just always looking up like interesting stuff about like movies that I always watch, and I always thought that was actually interesting that 
instead of just going off of like people who were fictional, we and they didn't have anything to deal with like being on a boat that he actually used the real people. It's like his supporting cast and I and that's what I liked about it too, because it it's still something that's historical that actually happened and it's a tragic it's like tragic that it did, but to be able to to I guess you could say, um, honor these people is to like in a way kind of like tell their story a little bit throughout the film which i thought was like a nice touch yeah i did some research afterwards just to kind of read some stories of the survivors and i was surprised at how accurately any anybody that was based off of a real person um, was accurately portrayed um the guy that owns the company that sent the titanic um was very accurately portrayed the architect of the ship um, there, there's even Abby, my wife, pointed out to me that there's there's a person next to Jack and Rose kind of on the back end of the ship that has a flask that's drinking a lot. And yes. uh, and my wife told me that there's there was a sh- uh, one of the bakers on the Titanic actually survived in the cold water. He was one of the only six people uh, because he was so drunk. Because normally, oh. normally alcohol is a is a blood thinner, and so it makes you respond to cold uh, worse. But he apparently was so intoxicated that it just his body didn't register the cold, and uh, and so he was able to survive for how how long? He, exactly, I had no idea, and so so that I thought that was you know, it, it, even the little things like that. Like I, I assume that Baker is the same person because he's just constantly yeah. drinking every time you see him, and so. You know, while we're talking about these characters and kind of the fictitiousness of it, um, I I almost wish this movie was not this Jack and Rose made up character characters. Same. I almost wish because just because there's so many stories of some really powerful people. Uh, the the owner of Macy's was on there, and uh, they decided to the because the husband couldn't get on a boat, um, the wife decided to stay back, and it's that uh, there's that. A famous line that she says is just she says where you go I go and and so neither of them went and they both died on, on the Titanic and that yes. could be just as powerful as Rose on the on the on the door and Jack you know dying in the water like that could be just as powerful and I I wish that the movie would have would have taken that turn instead of given for being so accurate with the rest of the characters why throw in two fictitious characters and exactly. let us follow it through their eyes why and not just gonna, why not just give us that in the in the scene that I said that I cried at. That was the scene. That's that's the two characters is Isidore Strauss and Ida Strauss. They he they were the former think, owners of Macy's. I think they're represented by that, but I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, that scene takes place in what definitely looks like the lower decks. So yeah, they would have had was- a nice fancy argument. Arguably the biggest place. So I think it's based on them, but isn't actually supposed to be them. I know I noticed that as well. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I just I don't know it was necessarily supposed to be them. Just a representation of them. But why not the the ship's architect architect that was on there? He's it's either him or Mrs. Brown that's my favorite character in this movie. So why not why not make the movie based through you could easily make this movie just based through his eyes and he could be your main character uh, and and you could tell the same story just without some of the romance without some of the love. And I mean to, to some extent like then we wouldn't get my heart will go on and that would make me really sad because that's one of the best songs ever written period. Yes, I had that I had that single. This movie is really long. I don't know what you would cut though, like at least with the way that this story is presented. Uh, presented. I mean, you could cut the modern day stuff, but that really cuts the impact at the end. Like you could just make it takes place yes. exclusively. I don't know. I just, I, I, I almost wish, like I said, they would have made it real people, and that would solve a lot of problems. I'm trying to picture where exactly they would have. Where could they cut it off at? Like, 
with like you said without the modern stuff like you will lose that you will lose like the the power of it because it's like you said it's going through her eyes so it's like I don't know where you would be able to cut it off at but I feel like if they would have did it on someone else and when it has been as long if you take away the modern stuff you cut out 45 minutes of this movie and that turns it into a two and a half hour movie while while I'm speaking to some of this stuff there's there's two more notes that I have to say first of all as we were talking about how impressive the video is earlier the Titanic was only discovered on the ocean floor in 1985, which was new to me. So this wow. was shot maybe 10 years yeah. after they discovered it. So, I mean, that's remarkable. Yeah, that's after, really remarkable. After something like that, and it was 1912 when it crashed or, or sank? Yes. That's, yes. That's, that's pretty, That yeah, that's crazy to me that it was, And I get that know, technology limits you to some degree, but... Right. But that was, wow. I, how many people do you think were looking for it? I would think anybody that's like exploratory or it is, or like even like a, like companies that are looking for old shipwrecks to salvage what they can, you know, art and jewelry and things that they can sell, right? Oh, <laughs> or yeah. preserve. Wow. Because that's the whole purpose of what Bill Paxton's doing. Yes. He's just trying to get the jewel. Yes. He's all about money. Oh, wow. That's, that's exactly. amazing. That's crazy to me. 85 to 90. I think, wow. I think you could tell the same story. I think you can tell the same story, but make it the architect of the ship and you just have a little bit less of uh, like you make it, you know, 45 minutes into the movie, the Titanic hits the iceberg and you just see a lot of his reactions kind of for that last little bit. And I think you could pull off a pretty dramatic ending for that as well. That would be a route to go. And you could especially make it more of a singular character piece, which I think would be good. Uh, And you could still have a lot of the social commentary you want since he's a wealthy individual. Um, yes. I, th- I think that would be the way to go if if they were to do this um, again. But uh, I'm not I'm not necessarily mad with the way the movie is. It's just I think I would like I would I think I would move into the loved it category if if that if the movie were a little shorter if the characters were real Same. people all that it's either make them all fake or them all real right right that would have been a better choice instead of giving us this fake love story. Right, right. Uh, I have one more note that's very distracting to me, very negative, uh, and then I want and then we can okay. move on to to acting, I think, uh, since we haven't yeah. talked really at all about acting yet. The score oh. is really distracting. Yeah. The score the score is excellent. It really is. Um, the score is is really good. Like I, I know my heart will go on is one of the best songs ever recorded. Um, and the specifically anytime they do the Irish stuff is excellent. But there's at least a dozen occasions where my heart will go yes. on is played, but it's a little offbeat and it's a little sped up and it distracts me every time and it really throws me out and I, I don't like it. Um, so I like this. I like the score overall and I love the song, but I don't like the score Same. version I, of the I, song. I agree. <laughs> and it pulls me I out agree. every single As time. As you like said that. I was wondering when the song was going to play in the movie because I had recollection that it played in the movie, but no, it's just over the credits. Yeah, that's the only like, time. Like I couldn't remember if it was like uh, like at least the legit instrumental, not just the score version where it's sped up and a little offbeat. Like I, I was thinking the King of the World time or when Jack is drawing Kate um, that maybe that would be an instrumental version at least, but no, no it's just during the credits. Yeah. And like, 
it's already a three hour, 15 minute movie. And then how do you turn it off with the credits start rolling? Because my heart will go on and start playing. And you don't turn it off in the middle of my heart no, will go on. No, you don't. You got to let the song play out. You so it's really, to. exactly. So you don't even get to cut the 10 minutes of credits at the end. You got to watch at least half of them. <laughs> you have to just to hear her sing <sighs> that song. It's a classic. Yes. Why don't you kick us off talking about some of the acting in this movie? So for for me, this wasn't the first time I've seen Kate, Win- Kate Winslet. Um, I've seen her another movie. Right. It was uh, Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creatures. That was the first time I saw her in a movie. Okay. But um, when I saw her in this, I I like basically fell in love with her. Like just, um, it's like a young woman just trying to find her way in this world, trying to like listen to what her mother is telling her. Like you need to marry like this way. You need to do this. You need to do that. And she wants to break herself from that world and she does it so well like she makes you feel for her she just makes you believe like everything that she's going through it's just like man like she's like really going through it like she's like even though she's like this young woman who has like her life ahead of her like she doesn't know what's actually getting ready to happen to her on this ship it's just one of those like you know i guess you could kind of say in a way she's kind of like coming of age in this in a way and she's like and she's like feeling love for the first time and just seeing her act her way through for such a big movie like this I think she held her own very well with the people that she was with in this film like she could she could like go back and forth with whoever she is with in a scene so I think that she does like an amazing job and I had to agree that she was nominated for this film but I didn't even know that she was nominated until I actually looked and so that she was nominated. So it's kind of it's kind of amazing to me that she was nominated, but she didn't win. But then again, I can understand why she wouldn't win. But she, right. I believe that she she did get the right nomination for it. Like she did deserve that nomination. Yes, I agree. I will agree with that. I think that she is excellent in this movie as an actress. Although I don't particularly love the way that her character is written, because it, 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 it when when she starts being that rebellious teen. Uh, phase that really throws me out of of the era of the story of the situation. It, throw, it just kind of really puts me out of of this uh, of this era. And uh, but she, I think, is an excellent actress. This is this is either her best or her second best performance. Uh, I'll talk about the other one later. But this she she is incredible in this movie, and she definitely deserves that nomination. I'm, but yeah, she she is excellent. And uh, here, all right, so here's a problem I have with this movie. And we'll we'll talk about and then we can talk about Leo. Um, do you, okay. <laughs> do you think that Jack and Rose would last? Would make it in the real world off the ship? To be quite honest, I don't think they would have. Neither do I. Honestly, don't think it would have been. I don't think it would have been like a full on like love, like a love affair. Like, yeah, it would have been an affair. Like they probably would have just had whatever they had like on the boat, and then like when they went off into like the real world. I don't think it would have survived. I think they would have ended. They'll end up miserable together, and they end up. They would have eventually like fall apart. So I don't think they would have ever made it past the Titanic. I agree with you. We're supposed to believe that they are going to be, like, they were destined to be lovers forever. But this feels like a fling to me. Part of it is because that the way they write Kate Winslet yes. to be that rebellious teenage fling. This is this really feels like a fling to me. It the does. other reason is when you start to think of logistics, they both have completely different backgrounds. Um, they have no similarities in childhood because Leo grew up poor, is orphaned. Kate Winslet, her dad's never mentioned, I don't think. Oh, no, her dad's mentioned. Oh, he yeah. 
set the family. He he collected a bunch of bad debts. But either way, like we don't really know much about her family. But she grew up in a bougie lifestyle. Leo is that fun, spontaneous person, whereas Rose is that more cautious person. And I, I just feel like the you know the the free the the boat allowed her to be free. But when you get back into the real world, I mean, you start to think of things like what what jobs is Kate Woodsick? What what jobs are Rose qualified for? Because she has to work because Leo isn't selling his art because nobody's buying it at this time. And I mean. It's, it's great. It's it's beautiful. It's immaculate. But she, he's not going to make it as an artist, and right. that's just the reality. And so, so Rose has it to work. Been a serious but struggle. what is she qualified for? Probably nothing, since she grew up bougie. Like I, this... <laughs> I honestly, when I think about it now, and when you look at her throughout that whole film, it's just like, what exactly? I couldn't think. I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head at that point in time in life that she would be good for. Like. I don't, I yeah. don't know. Like she would be the only thing she would probably be good for is a housewife. Right. She's, she's a, she's a trophy. That's all wife. she has is her looks. The, the way that yes. this movie has portrayed her, she's a trophy wife. All right. Let's talk about Leo. Kick us off. All right. So Leo, um, of course I'm going to say like Leo was amazing at that, at that time in my life. I'm just going to say it. he was amazing in everything. But for this movie, I thought he did. A, he was actually pretty good. For me, I thought he did a great job in this film. He, of course, he was charming. He made you believe, he just made you just believe that he was like this poor orphan from Wisconsin who was just, he's just trying to make a life for himself. But of course, it's a struggle because it's like he's poor and he has to deal with being around people of a higher status than him. And then the fact that he has to like deal with trying to be with Rose, but then having to deal with the fact that her mother is like interfering or the man that she's supposed to marry is always interfering. And then it's always, I can never remember this guy's name. He was like, um, Billy Zane's like right hand guy who was like always around. Spicer Lovejoy. His bodyguard. Yes. His bodyguard. Spicer Lovejoy. It's just like, they were like always just like, it was always tension whenever they were run into each other. But it was like he held his he held his own. He like kept his head up and he was just like that. I guess you can say like that breath of fresh air that she needed. And it's like how they were drawn to each other. It was just like made you become like a moth to the flame. Like you were like oozing because you're believing everything this man is saying, even though he is poor. But he's I guess you could say he's like rich of life. Like he doesn't care if he's poor. He. He's just trying to, he's trying to make his way through life by traveling throughout the world. Yes. And he was like finally making his way back home only for him to not make his way back home. And it was just like, it was just a bummer just to see like how far he was getting ready to like make his way back only for it to just end right there. So I believe he did a great job. I was kind of like disappointed that he wasn't nominated for it. But then again, after watching it again, I mean, it's kind of like the same acting that you've been seeing from him before this movie. So I was just like, okay. Right, right. But once again, I think at that time he did hold his own with those some of those heavy hitters that's in that movie, like Kathy, Kathy Bates and Gloria Stewart and, of course, um, Francis Fisher. Yep. So so I think he, he held his own, but I think that it wasn't like his best or his second best. I would probably say it was his third best. 
I don't think he's excellent in this role. I don't know that he's great in this role. I think he's yeah. good at this role. Um, I, I kind of understand why he didn't get an Oscar nomination uh, now, looking back at this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I see enough inexperience. I see enough youth in him. Um, sometimes you can tell he's either underacting or overreacting. Uh, or overacting to things yes. and uh, it's some it sometimes pulls you really out of it and and some scenes he's really good and some scenes he's just not in some scenes it's just really distracting so which is just kind of weird I know people consider this like his launching point to actual stardom I mean he had done movies like this before but I know people consider this his yes his starting point. But I'm looking at his filmography right now and this is not his starting point. His starting point was really if I had to narrow oh, it down to, if I had to narrow it down to one movie, it has to be Catch Me If You Can. But he has a run here of five movies that solidified him as the person we know today. Gangs in New York, Catch Me If You Can, The Aviator, The Departed of Blood Di- and Blood Diamond all came out in a four year span. And that was back to back to back to back. There were no movies in between. So by the time Blood Diamond rolls around you're like, okay. This is this is the guy that we get, and then a couple of years later, you get Shutter Island, and you get Inception. Then you start getting Gatsby and Django yes. and The Wolf of Wall Street. Like it's because of that Gangs of New York, um, Catch Me If You Can, Blood Diamond, Departed, Aviator Run. Like that's yes. that's where Leo really found his stride. Like, it's like all those naming, like all those movies that you named, like those movies is like go to movies for him. Like I definitely love the blue uh, blood diamond. That movie to me, was like outstanding. Well, and I mean, it's part so of was it, the departed. Well, and-, <laughs> and part of it has to show too, with three of those are Scorsese movies. One of those is a Spielberg movie. And then one of those is an Edward Zwick movie. Yes. But, I mean, James, James Cameron is still that caliber and couldn't quite get Leo, I think to where he needed to be. So um, I'm not mad that he didn't get nominated. I it was surprising to me because I know people hold him in such high regard, and this is generally considered his jumping off point. But man, there was five years between yes. this and and Gangs in New York. I think the only thing he had done between that was really of note was Man in the Iron Mask. I used to love that movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. I used to love that movie so much. Oh my god, I used to love that movie a lot. <laughs> I have uh, I have one more note, and it's that which movies this Oscar sh- uh, these Oscars should have won. Uh, but before I do that, um, yes. do you have any other things that you want to say? We we've been talking for a while. Is there anything that you really wanted to hit uh, that we haven't talked about yet? Yes. Okay. There was enough room for Jack on the door. There was enough room for him to survive. That's always been a thing of mine. He could have made it. Jack Dawson deserves better. But- that is it. <laughs> Yes, there is enough room, but it's it's not about space. It's about buoyancy because you can see him try to get on. You can see him attempt to get on, but the weight would have put it under the surface, and there was no way for him to pull his body weight up. Look, all this all this would have gone away if James Cameron would have just got a smaller freaking door. But but yes, it's about it's about buoyancy, not about size. And Jack Dawson did deserve better than the way that they did him. You're right. He didn't have to freeze. Right. I'm going to say the movie, the the Oscars this movie deserved uh, this year was definitely cinematography, definitely editing, editing, definitely sound, best original music, best, uh, best original song, uh, costumes, maybe director, and I would have given the Oscar to Gloria Stewart for her supporting role. That's Old Rose. Kim Basinger won that year for LA Confidential, which we talked about with Robert, and she's nothing special in that movie. So I would have given it to Gloria Stewart um, or somebody else, but I don't really know who else. The Oscar that this movie did not deserve is Best Picture, because that should have gone to LA Confidential. That's a much better movie. That's a much better story. 
and there's a lot less problems with that. That that movie is really something special to me. That is the movie that should have won Best Picture that year. Um, and the, and I that, think that potentially director for L.A. Confidential as well. But that's why I said maybe James Cameron uh, should have won that Oscar. And uh, even art and set decoration, I think there's a case to be made for L.A. Confidential as well. But I'm, a, I'm not going to fight that one very hard. I, d- I am going to fight Best Picture right. hard. L.A. Confidential should have yeah. won 1997. Because me, I would always, I, at that, at that time and age, I would have been like, I believe that it deserved to get the best picture. But then when I actually looked at the actual lineup for who was up for that, I, I would have to agree with you as well. I don't think this film deserved best picture. I mean, it is a great film, but I wouldn't call it the best. Sure. Yeah. It deserves all of the technical achievements for sure. Um, yes. That but not I, the- I will agree with. Yeah. All right, I've said my piece. Have you? Yes, I have. All right, then one last question for you. Chantal, having rewatched this, if somebody is in the same boat as you, haven't seen this in 10, 15 years, does this movie live better in your memory, or would you recommend, no, pop that bad boy in and enjoy yourself? I will have to say that it's better to enjoy as a memory. Okay. I I don't think I will be able to, like, watch Titanic. It's, like, it's a very good film, because I can tell you right now, I probably would have walked, I would walk away from it again. Mm. See, I this is able to sit through it again. <laughs> right, this is tricky. Um, if you are in that boat, um, I do think that probably you remember enough. <laughs> if you have yeah. never seen this, you should watch it. Yes. And if you really want to see it, you can either do it, but like do it in the background, or just start at the middle because you know the setup. And frankly, it's not important the setup because yes. Jack dies anyway. <laughs> like just right. just start when the ship hits the iceberg. If you if you actually want to sit down exactly. and watch the because that's the that's the part that's really worth watching that to the end. So or be like me, just pop in that second tape and you're good to go. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, let's move on to the the B plot this week. Since we're talking about Titanic, we're talking about what is widely considered potentially the best romantic movie of all time. Chantal, I wanted to talk with you. What are f- we each have five movies that we think are better romance movies than this now this is not just straight up sappy romance it's not necessarily even rom-com but these are just movies that have romance as a central part to the plot or the character development in these so Chantal what we'll we'll do back and forth I'll let you go first Uh, tell me about what what is one of the five that you think is better than Titanic the notebook that's like on top of the list for me okay it's like one of those definite movies that are better than Titanic okay I have not seen it, but I am watching it soon. So, oh, my heart. I'm fortunate yes. to have married a married a woman that loves uh, rom coms, uh, but doesn't <laughs> isn't going to make me watch them with her. Um, I've been fortunate okay. to have been married for almost a year and not have seen The Notebook. So, um, right. you started off with your best. So, thank you. Uh, you start off with your best. So I'm going to start off with my best. I'm going to say La La Land. This movie is magic in a bottle. And I've talked I've talked a lot about La La Land. This is like my sixth favorite movie of all time. I love it. It's not a happy romance movie, really? but it is a romance movie. I love it. I don't. I can get into it. That's just one I could not get into. I'm it's sorry. fine. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. <laughs> What's another one you got for me? <laughs> so another one for me would be, of course, Call Me By Your Name. It's okay. another one that it's not. It's not one of those happy. It's not an, a happy like romantic movie. It's a. It's a sad one. It's a sad one as well. But it. It's one of those that that I ended up falling in love with, and just ugh, it's just it was an amazing film. I I can watch that movie, but I still get sad at the end. But all right, 
I'm going to give you my second favorite romantic movie, and that is, this is where we're coming back to Kate Winslet. I'm talking about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. This is a fantastic okay. movie. Okay, I've not seen that. This is rom-com sci-fi, which is surprising. Charlie Kaufman's script. Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet. This is this movie is something special. Again, not necessarily happy, but it is also happy. But I'm not, we're not talking happy romance movies. We're not talking rom-coms. We're just talking romance movies. And Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of the best romantic movies you will ever see in your entire life. Oh, I have to check it out now. Please, please, For please sure. do. And then tweet at me when you do. I definitely will. What you got? All right, so another one of mine would have to be 10 Things I Hate About You. It's one of those, it was always one of those feel-good movies for me growing up. So it's, even though it's not all the way a romance movie, but it is a rom-com. It's one of those teenage coming-of-age films, and it's always been mm-hmm. one of those funny ones, and it just made you just fall in love with the characters. It was just one of those fun movies that I like to watch all the time, and they still make me laugh. Sure. Yeah, this movie's great. Uh, I'm going to bounce back at you with About Time. This is the best kind of take on a formulaic rom-com that you will get. Um, Domo Gleeson and Rachel McAdams are terrific. Again, we're going sci-fi rom-com again. This movie is excellent. This works amazing as as both a romantic relationship as well as a father-son relationship. It's really even more about the father-son relationship, but there definitely is a lot of rom-com elements to it. This movie is just cl- as close to perfect as, movie- as movies get, um, and it makes you feel all the feels, and it makes you think all the thinks, and this movie is something special. I'm not I'm not quite as high on it as I, th- I think it's Robert's sixth favorite movie of all time. I'm not quite that high, but this is for sure in my top 50. For sure. Okay, I've only seen bits and pieces, so hopefully I'll be able to like sit down and actually watch this film fully. And it's always the same scenes too that I will always give for the movie. Yeah, it's great. All right, uh, bounce. Throw it back to you. So another one of mine would have to be Queen and Slim. Of course, it's another one that's not a happy ending whatsoever. Um, it kind of fits in what the world is kind of like the state of the world is right now. It does have the romance in it, and it's just one of those. It's one of those good ones, but it's one of those sad good ones. It's like one of those that sure. you don't want to see it in the way it did, but it was still, it was still good. Yeah, this is not one I've gotten around to yet, but uh, I'll have to check it out. Yes, I'm gonna throw in one of the funniest movies of all time. I'm gonna throw in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. This movie is excellent. Oh this movie is God. hilarious. This I love that movie. This is an excellent, excellent, excellent movie. It's endlessly rewatchable. It's endlessly quotable. Uh, every character is lovable. Uh, even the characters that aren't meant to be lovable. Like, you love how unlovable they are. Like, I'm specifically thinking of Russell Brand. But uh, Jason yes. Siegel, Kristen Bell, Mila Kunis, Russell Brand. Paul Rudd in a in a stellar supporting role here. Yes. He's probably my favorite character in the movie. This, uh, this canoe guy. I think my favorite line is something like, <laughs> he looks at Jason Siegel and he's like, hey, you look like you got pain in your eyes. You know what helps with that? Pot. You got any? He's like, no. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go surfing. And it's just like, yeah. that's the kind of interaction that you get with that character. No, so he's, a, he's a lot of fun. And there's a, there's sort of a side story, story of, uh, of two like very conservative Christians that, you know, were obviously yes. very conservative with what they did and then, and then got married and now they can do things that married people do. And <laughs> And the one of them is very freaky, and the other one is still very like shy and reserved. It's, their interactions are are the best part of that movie. Yeah. Yes. So I Such love I love forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh my god, I forgot about that. That movie is uh, just 
Oh, that movie is definitely a gem. That one is definitely hilarious. I love that movie so much. I will probably watch it this weekend since we're talking about it. Yes, now that you brought it up, I would definitely uh, have to crack that DVD out and just watch it. Most definitely. Oh, yeah. All right, and your last one. So, last but not least, it would have to be good old Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Definitely one of those romantic, uh, you can say romantic action comedy. It's just one of those, another feel-good feel film. Um, of course, it's based off of the comic. It just makes you fall in love with, like, everyone in that film from, like, from just, from Scott to <laughs> to his roommate, Wallace, to, um, oh, my God, what was his girlfriend's name? I'm not thinking of. Nice. Um, thank you. Knives. Like, Knives nice was probably, like, yes, Knives Child was, like, one of my favorites. And so was, um, yeah, it's young Neil because, like, he says one of my favorite lines, one of my favorite lines, when he's like, you punch the highlights out of her hair. And I just love, it's just <laughs> the way he just stands in the background and he's just like, I'm Neil. Like, it's like everybody knows who he is, but he just seems like aloof to everything. But it's just like, he was like one of my favorite characters in that film besides Knives. Like, that movie to me was just one of them. It was just a lot of fun, a lot of action. It was definitely funny. And, of course, I love Edgar Wright, who did the movie. So it's like he didn't miss anything with this film. He did, like, a really good job, especially with the cast. The cast was amazing. So definitely one of my top ten. Yeah, this movie is excellent. I, I don't think I would have picked it had you not said it. So uh, amazing pick. Um, just just because I this is one of those that is a sneak romance movies in your head because you remember yeah. the action stuff, but yet this, the core of this movie is a romance and yeah, Edgar Wright needs to do more comedies like this. Uh, it's, yes, he, does. You know, he, he weaves in comedy into all of, all of his movies, but I, I love just the straight comedy aspect of this. I mean, cause even he can turn a normal conversation into something really funny. Like the, the scene where Ramona and Scott are, or like Scott makes uh, food for Ramona and he just makes garlic bread. And she's like, this is good garlic yes. bread. He's like, yeah, I think the garlic bread would have to be my favorite all time food. Like I could just eat it every day or just continually without stopping. She's like, but then you get fat. And you're like, well, why would I get fat? And she's like, cause bread makes you fat. Like, bread makes you fat. Like <laughs> just the interactions like that. are just, just slay me every time. Especially, yeah. Especially like the scene where, when Scott runs into um, Envy, when he runs into Envy at the yes. record store and she was just like, um, she's like, I see you got a new haircut. And he, he was like, what? And he's like, comes back and you see him with a hat on. It's just like that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff like that. I like love stuff like that. It's like, did you get a new haircut? And it's like, it's terrible, isn't it? And it's like, it's just like the back and forth. I just, I just love that because it works so well. Yeah. This, uh, this movie is incredible. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> there's, that, there's that amazing Definitely. line where just, you once were a vegan and now you will be gone. <laughs> Greatest movie ever to me. I just love that movie a lot. Just now it just makes me want to go and just watch it just so I can just relive everything again. I, I love this movie and I tried showing it to my wife because she, um, she loves Edgar Wright. Like she loves baby drivers. One of her favorite movies. Um, and she's always one. wanting to watch it. And like, then I'm like, you, then you'll love Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And man, baby driver probably should have made my list. I love baby driver and eh, add baby yeah, drivers an honorable mention one. then. But she, uh, yes. she, she just, she's like, this is not my kind of movie and got up and left halfway through. And I was like, sad. She's like, but you can finish. I'm like, I'm oh. going to like, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like you so yeah, have we'll add to. baby driver to our honorable <laughs> mention. Uh, the last one I'm going to talk about the last one, official one I'm going to say is safety, not guaranteed. Uh, this is a very charming B movie. This is uh, Mark Duplass and Aubrey Plaza. 
This is Colin Trevorrow's uh, directorial feature. He did the uh, Jurassic World. Okay. This this is a very charming movie. This is it's funny, witty. It's got a lot of characters that like you know and love. Also, a lot of those characters that you know and love that aren't necessarily in big blockbusters. So you know a B movie like the, not a B movie, an indie movie like this can afford. You know, Mark Duplass and Aubrey Plaza and Nick from New Girl and the cab driver from Deadpool. Like it's all these characters. It's this this movie is 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 about as charming as movie movies get. Um, I had a couple others that I'll just briefly mention. It I, I only had three really as I was looking through, but we already said Baby Driver. Uh, we talked yes. about Marriage Story a little earlier. I will also throw in the running Fifty Fifty and Chasing Amy. Those are the oh, only wow. other ones that were in contention for me. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the spinoff then. So, uh, Chantal, what is the one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everybody to watch or to stay the crap away from? Do not waste your hard-earned money on Antebellum. Please do not do it to yourself. I wasted $20 in an an hour and 45 minutes. I will never get back again. That was one movie I wish I could have walked away from, but I paid for it, so I had to finish and watch it. So don't do it to yourself. It's not worth it. I eventually read up on this movie because I wanted to know what everybody was so up in arms about. And like, it doesn't sound that infuriating. It doesn't sound as bad, but it's definitely not what everybody was promised. And so like the twist just doesn't sound, doesn't sound like it should be offensive to anybody, but I don't know. I guess the rest of the movie must just be awful. It is. I'm going to talk about the social dilemma. This is a new documentary on Netflix about social media that I've heard lots of people rant and rave about. And this is a good movie. Um, This is a good documentary. This is not a great documentary. This is not an excellent documentary. Um, The more I think about it, the more I don't really like it. Because a lot of the stuff that they talk about, which a lot of people that I've heard talk about this, a lot of the stuff they talk about are things that I've already known are going on. And And I'm one of those people that just in general doesn't have any notification that doesn't need my attention. Um, turn on my phone already right. like te- like text emails facebook messenger things like that anything that's like a direct thing i don't have on my phone um, i don't allow many apps to notify me same i'm the same way but it's just because i don't want to be bothered and so the this is really getting you into the mind same. of the, the the silicon valley tech people that designed these apps and specifically designed the way to make you stay glued to your phone and to keep coming back and uh the part where it's actually a documentary are excellent, but the parts where about half of it is a dramatization is awful. So have you seen this, Chantal? I have not. I've been I've been waiting for this weekend to like sit down and actually watch it because it's been like showing up on my like on my friends' feeds a lot, and they just keep talking about it. So I was just like, okay, let me like let me see what everybody's talking about with this film and um this documentary and i wanted to just see if it will like spark my interest at all yeah the documentary portion itself is really good the just the dramatizations are awful um there's like i was describing it to a friend the other day and there's a scene where your main character by the way is a recognizable face he was in the national lampoon's vacation movie he was in i know i first knew him from santa clarita diet he's also in the wet hot american summer uh 10 years later this actor is a recognizable face it's skyler like i don't know his last name off the top of my head but i I really like this actor yeah i remember him from a vacation yeah so like if you when you recognize this actor for this dramatization it dramatization it really takes you out of it and so that's one thing that doesn't work the other thing is everything is dialed up to 15 on a scale of one to ten like 
the one of the first scenes with this dramatization is that the the mom buys a like some sort of like container that you're supposed to use for like a cookie jar and then you grab a, ha- a small handful of cookies and then you set a timer for like four hours or something like that it's like you can't open the jar for the next four hours that way you know it encourages you to be on your or to to not just sit there and eat all the cookies in the cookie jar right. which like Smart invention. I kind of want one of those for myself now too. But the mom takes the the two kids' phones and put them in in this jar, and then sets it for an hour and says, "You know, for for lunch, we're going to be on our own." And within within two minutes, both kids go to check on that phone, and it's like that just wouldn't happen. No. But then when the when this young girl, uh, like it, it would happen, it just wouldn't happen that fast. And so, but when this young girl finds out that it actually is sealed and there's locked, there's no way you can get in it. I mean, it's just a glass jar. And two minutes later kind of in the background you see her grab a hammer and some safety glasses and shatter the thing it's like within five minutes she shattered a glass container because she wanted to get her it's like this is a 150 percent overreaction and and it really kind of pulls you out of it like i get the message they're trying to say i get how they're saying this is what we're intending people to be but I know some people that are pretty glued to their phone, but I don't know anybody that would be that glued to their I'm phone. I'm not that glued to my phone. That it could be in another room and they would need to have it in their hand two minutes later and they would smash a glass box with a with a hammer yeah, to get to it. Just, and then not only that, but that girl is not seen for the rest of the movie. And it's just like, just skip over the dramatization. Okay. Because I was like, that sounded <laughs> Maybe, pretty extreme. Watch it, watch it in the background. If you're... I definitely will. If you're going to pull out your phone and check Twitter or something, then just do that during the dramatizations. Definitely but, uh, will. Awesome. That's a wrap. So a quick reminder that Super Pop Riders Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast feed. If you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, then email us at writersroom at SifPop.com. That email address should be in your description for this episode. If you want to support the show, help out with some costs that we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipments, and rentals, and you can Venmo me at Schweit Castle. It's S-C-H White Castle, like the restaurant that Harold the Kumar goes to. Or you can email me at risingroomatsipop.com for a good PayPal address to send something, uh, some funds to, um, to help out with the show. You can also follow me on Twitter. It's at Schweit Castle. You can find me on Letterboxd there. And while you're doing things, please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It, help out, it helps out the show more than you will ever know but that's where you can find out with me keep up with the show things like that chantal it's been great having you on again uh really loved talking uh titanic in depth with you where can people continue this conversation with you and tell you about why jack and rose couldn't fit on the door (laughs) together you can always find me at edna mode on letterbox or you can find me at twitter my Twitter name is going to be underscore Akira XO. Awesome. Well, like I said, it's been absolutely great having it's you been on. Awesome. I look forward to the next time that you'll be on. Me too. But until then, you know, we got to get back to the writer's room. Mm-hmm.